So hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson, and today I'm delighted to be joined from the European Parliament by Annie Hirvela. How are you doing, Annie? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you, Glenn, for having me today as your guest. It's a pleasure to have you on. So just give us a little bit of background about yourself, your role at the moment, and also some of the uh, really interesting movements that you've been involved in and have started Ah, yes, thank you. So my name is Anne Hirvela and I come from Finland. Um, I'm part of the Swedish-speaking minority in my country. Um, I have a background in political science and I uh, lived and worked um, uh, in Brussels for the past six years. And I've always worked in the European institutions, so the European Parliament, and then Commission, and then back in the Parliament. Um, and next to my work uh, um, uh, at the institutions, I'm also mm. the co-founder of the Me Too movement within the European Parliament. Right. So in short, Me Too EP. And women's rights uh, is an area that I have worked for in the past. And mm. so this has felt very natural for me to start this movement and to work in it. And uh, gender equality is a fundamental value. Yeah. Uh, so that is something I will always work for and advocate for. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about sort of the uh, the role of the movement within the European Parliament. What's the kind of things you're doing? But also, what are some of maybe some of the issues that have been uh, uh, that that have that have been raised and either either overt or sometimes a little bit sort of unaware of some of the activities that are going on yes um so <laughs> our movement is created by staff members um, yeah. of the european parliament who believe that their employer should hold exemplary standards of good employment and should combat sexual harassment sexism and all sorts of abuse uh, and harassment in the workplace Mm. And above all, advocate for gender equality and transparency. Yeah. And as many of uh, well, uh, the listeners, and I'm sure you know that when the Me Too hashtag went mm. viral in 2017 in October, and back then the European Parliament was very quick to react, and they adopted a strong resolution on the matter. And this resolution called on on uh, reforms for the uh, uh, existing anti-harassment uh, measures within the house and yes. these measures were actually they would really change the game or for they would be very important for the staff members so mm. uh, not to go into too many technical details but there was for example mandatory training for MEPs so members of the European right. Parliament recomposition of the anti-harassment committee and also an external audit, and so on. Mm. But these measures were never implemented, mm. and it really felt like the EP administration felt like there was no need to, to um, have them in place, and basically mm. there was no political will. So, And there was no data on harassment, so that was also a reason why the, the, the response was... Um, um, yeah, well, the response was uh, basically nothing. <laughs> and yeah. our that's when our movement was launched. We mm. felt like uh, we wanted to prove that 
that the EP is, has, it's no exception and that stronger measures were needed. And that's why we launched our blog as well, together with the movement, where we publish anonymous testimonies of victims of se- sexual harassment within the, in the European Parliament. Right. And by publishing these testimonies, then the uh, aim was never to name or shame anyone. Mm. Uh, this was never the case, but more to uh, to put the pressure on the EP administration that the measures needed to be uh, put in place, and we demanded transparency. Yeah, and we, I, I would claim that we were the ones who helped highlight the issue, and we started the discussion, mm. uh, and we started the calls to stop culture of silence. Yeah, and. Um, uh, yeah, our aim is to raise awareness on this power imbalance and on gender-based violence and um, all sorts of harassment, mm. not only sexual harassment. And these are often swept under the carpet uh, because maybe it's not so clear what is yeah. harassment. Yeah, and so, I think this, I think that's an important point you raised there, Annie, in terms of sort of defining what is harassment. And, and you know, like most things in life, it's not black and white. It's a, it's a sliding scale from very extreme mm-hmm. to minor. But as always, minor things can actually sort of build up and have sort of a, an impact. And I think that's why sort of the the, the training element uh, is probably mm-hmm. uh, uh, very important within that, so people know uh, the the way in which to behave within certain uh, certain situations. Absolutely, and I just want to highlight that after years of lobbying and campaigning for this, the European Parliament decided this July to um, implement the mandatory training for the next mandate, and that is a huge step. Okay, yes. not everything in the resolution will be implemented, but still parts yeah. of it, and it's a it's a huge step for an institution of this scale. Mm. So um, th- that we are, of course, very, very grateful for. Uh, mm. But yeah, a lot of work is still to be done, but at, at least after six years, there, there has been improvement. I think, well, I think it's fantastic, first of all, for uh, being able to sort of put this in place. And, you know, like most things in life, it needs a few people who are willing to sort of work hard, keep pushing, be a little bit of a pain sometimes, keep it on the agenda and keep hammering on about the uh, uh, the issue. Because with attention spans and the way things go these days, it tends that something's in the... Uh, it's in the spotlight for a few seconds, then it moves on and nothing happens. So I think that this dedication and consistency is absolutely crucial to the results there, Annie. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, change doesn't happen in a day, yeah. especially in, of that, uh, uh, on, on that scale. And mm. uh, in an institution with, <laughs> with uh, uh, um, lawmakers that are around <laughs> um, 700, Yes. And to, who also are protected by immunity. Yeah. So um, it's, mm. yeah, the work did not happen in a day. Let's say yeah, the results did not come in a day. Well, definitely. But also, Annie, I think it's important, I think just with the sort of the cultural context, as you say, I mean, the European Parliament being an organization uh, uh, multinational by, by definition, 
And of course, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different cultures which come into that, whether it's North versus South, East versus when there's a, there's a real sort of uh, uh, difference, shall we say, um, culturally. But of course, I think it's it, it's crucial that you need to be safe, protected and, and, and considered when you walk into the institution and having those kind of rules of the road, if you want to call it that, is, I think is a, an essential part of this. Yes, of course. I mean, there are so many cultures that are going um, back and forth, in and out every day. But mm. I would still, what I have always said, that I strongly avoid to use cultural differences as a reason okay. for bad behavior yeah. or harassment yeah. of any kind. This is, I think, very important to highlight because it's the person that is harassing or discriminating or yes. Uh, acting in a bad way it's the person who is to blame mm. and not the culture i think yeah. this is, is is highly crucial to 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 uh, say that yes um, i think it's more like whenever there's uh, imbalance in, in power and a strong okay. hierarchy harassment may occur mm. and brussels bubble is no exception in this so yeah. If I take an example, like there's a lot of young people trying to establish a career in politics yeah. or wherever, wherever in the bubble, and one is very dependent on informal recommendations and contacts yeah. and junior staff working as assistant or trainees or, or, or not even junior staff, whatever that is a bit mm. lower in the hierarchy are particularly a perfect target for exploitation because... Yeah. Sometimes persons in higher positions, they're very aware of that. So mm. um, it creates this enabling environment uh, mm. where there is an imbalance in the prof professional relationships. Yeah. And more generally, Annie, would you say that the world of work is changing within this uh, within this respect? Is it people paying more attention to this, more looking at training and uh, activities of this kind? Or is it st still something that's not really considered within the uh, world of work? I mean, from a from an outside view, I think the, the difference between sort of the 80s, 90s and onwards, it seems to be sort of uh, a, a sliding scale getting better and, and, and more serious attention is given to these issues. Uh, definitely, there is a the world of work is so different in many mm. aspects and layers that it has ever been. I would say uh, there is this, uh, mm, there's a change in worker activism, as I would yeah. say it. Like we're seeing this renewed attention to social responsibility, to diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And I believe there's a mentality that has zero tolerance towards rigid work requirements discriminatory treatment yes. and or yeah then again any sorts of harassment but mm. employers are demanding diversity and inclusion mm. and a safe workplace and environment and that's a whole new wave of to create a workplace free of yeah. free of um, of bad behavior but i think a modern workplace takes care of their employees yeah this is in my opinion this is the new standard i would say Yes, I, because that creates um, a good working environment, creates loyalty to the workplace. Yeah. When one is respected, one respects the employer, mm. and that, in many cases, creates better results. Yeah, 
I think it's also enlightened self-interest. I mean, if your company or organization's reputation is a bad place to work, a toxic mm-hmm. environment, then of course it's not going to be good to be able to get the uh, the, uh, the the talent and the expertise you need because people will go somewhere else. I mean, they'll they'll avoid it. And I think that you know these days there's much more attention given to these kind of uh, 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 of issues. It's something that's kind of part of the package. Uh, and it's something that people will 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 actively uh, decide to leave mm-hmm. behind or not even move towards if they know there's a sort of a, a bad uh, uh, office or culture within the organization or the environment. Oh, I I completely I totally um, agree on this. Like digitalization, yeah, social media has made it um, easy and possible for for people to come forward uh, forward and call out um uh workplaces that are not treating their uh, staff well or yeah. or just have um well me too it is a great uh, example of this i mean it is. Um, yeah it is absolutely it, 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 <laughs> it has made uh it easier for whistleblowers to come forward i wouldn't say we're yeah we we actually have not officially ever used the word whistle whistleblowers for us because we we always been there, uh, or the movement is there on front. But still, yeah. in a parenthesis, we might maybe call the it options that. there. <laughs> yeah, it, gives exactly. us, it, it gives a safety net and a release valve that you know you could use the movement for that if necessary. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it mm. could be. Yeah. And, and Annie, you were talking about some sort of social media that you just mentioned mm-hmm. before there. Could you say a little bit about digitalization and how um, increased um, digital tools, techniques, but also digital ways of working, has this affected the sort of the, the way we interact with each other or not? Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? I mean, just to have a look at sort of some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, sort of feeds on X, for example, some of the toxic awful things that are being put across is that sort of uh, being seen in the real world in terms of the sort of the physical workspace or what's your sort of thoughts around this oh yeah that's that's a big question um i think yeah you can of course um it's like life in the real world and life uh, on social media and uh, these are not always the same of course because people yeah. are using social media to for example attack someone or just have a smear campaign or um so it's yeah they're not really saying it to their faces what they can say say online yeah of course social media has a lot of potential as i just said it can be an, a good platform for activism yes but uh it's still one has to take the responsibility when you use that platform yeah uh, whatever you are then um writing you always have to take remember that whatever you're saying yes freedom of speech but it always comes with a responsibility and that is something that i think everyone should uh, think about even the platforms absolutely and i I fully agree with you that especially today i think well especially today and i think it's it's one thing i mean freedom of speech is is great but you know you need to take responsibility for what you say have a proper name have a proper profile picture you know if you're going to sort of say something that's uh, um, inflammatory or extreme then be willing to stand up for it don't 
sort of uh, hide behind an avatar or a picture of a cat or something ridiculous like that. You know, you need to be able to back it up and be able to accept um, the what comes back at you in the same way that if you uh, said that to someone in the street, you know, the, the consequences could be pretty tough, but you need to be you need to be prepared for that. Mm, absolutely. I, I, I agree. Or think once, twice, maybe three times before you actually sort of press uh, the post uh, uh, button and be be able to to make it, uh, you know, because it's permanent, as you said there, Annie. It's the fact that you know once it's there, it's uh, it's there forever, and it can be used against you, either good or bad. So you mm -hmm. you got to be careful. Definitely, um, that's why I also want to highlight that our anonymous blog and everything the me too ep has ever puts puts out online is always well thought and we always want to still be that movement that yeah. is working together with the lawmakers this mm. is something that we always wanted to emphasize because the moment one as an as a group or a movement or whistleblower or whatever you want to call yourself whenever you start to demanding something you have to remember that you are you want still if you want the change you have to work together with someone yeah yeah, yeah. so when it comes to the ep for so the european parliament we are there to help them to to highlight the um, mm. the um the things that need change mm. we are not there we have never been there to um yeah to have a smear campaign in the media or something like that yes and i think that's an important point because so much is uh, fragmented and polarized these days and you get these echo chambers that people just speak mm -hmm. within their small group and they don't reach out to people who maybe sort of think slightly differently um, on, on on different sort of issues and, and have different viewpoints and I think that's powerful this whole idea of sort of uh, uh, discussion dialogue which I think could uh, uh, disarm a lot of the uh, inflammatory uh, uh, material and, uh, and hardwired uh, viewpoints that we see increasingly these days, Annie, and that's something that, of course, we need to be able to address if we're going to be able to move forward and reach any kind of working compromise. Yep, exactly. That's <laughs> very true. And and, and and say a little bit more about the you know the, the the digital element, which is something that interests me. About are people better at being able to communi communicate and know what's right and wrong and what kinds of social uh, uh, social behavior are acceptable in, in in certain forums or is it a case that um you know this is this is muddying the waters and people are feeling more uh, uh, uh unaware about how to act or how to behave in a kind of a a, a work or a professional environment mm, well I think people aren't as forgetting how to work or interact because yeah. it's uh, it's I think uh, it comes natural for people. But I I think they're not aware what kind of behavior is acceptable. Right. Is it then at the workplace or online? Yeah. Or yeah. towards your colleague or people mm. you you meet in your daily life. Mm. And of course, the world is changing. Happily, I mean, I'm happy to see that, but it's yeah. it's it's slowly doing that, and um, the issue of harassment is is not disappearing. And um, I think people are more aware what kind of behavior is acceptable. Like, kind of, I think if I compare to six years back when we started yes. the movement, yeah, there's a huge huge change already, and people are even 
um, also when they're witnessing harassment or bad behavior or a comment, they are already like, let's say, fighting back on that. Right. But um, yeah. I think still there is education needed on this front. So mm. if you take, for example, training yeah. on good behavior or um, uh, at the workplace, uh, that is these days many companies or institutions have that. So I think the training is not some it's something you should have on a regular basis. Okay. Because also the aspect of harassment is changing. There's always new things. There's always good to refresh your memory. So yeah. I think it's not enough to have it on the first day you start your employment somewhere. Yeah. It has to come all the time. If it's not, then all all it um it um it's to all sorts of training. Yes. That's why it's called a training. Right? <laughs> and, yeah, it's like um, it, no, it's, it's yeah. a great point. It's like all training; yeah. you don't just do it once. You have to keep doing it consistently to have effects. And I think that mm -hmm. you know, this is this is no difference in terms of the uh, in terms of the overall uh, approach, which I think is uh, very very important. And I guess as well, going into sort of the election cycle next year, mm -hmm. it's uh, almost upon us to make sure that this is still held in high regard and it's still front and center in terms of the. Mm -hmm. uh, the training, the approach, and, and and also the general daily life, I suppose, within the institutions. Ah, yes, of course. I mean, um, speaking of the elections, like as the last in the last mandate, we uh, we um, wanted to make sure that the candidates um, or the candidate MEPs and the current MEPs. Yeah. For the listeners, MEP member of the European Parliament. Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, they. We wanted to make sure that the um, the topic stays on the agenda. Yeah, I know that there is a lot of things today on the agenda. There are things happening in the world that um, I am very aware of. But yes, then again, everything is, I think, important. So mm. whatever you had in the mandate before should continue, and it's about staff members that work there every day. Yeah. But in any case, um, we will have an election pledge later, um, yeah, beginning of next year that we will definitely put in place and have excellent have um, the candidates and current MEPs to to sign it and yeah and to be aware that uh, change is coming <laughs> in is. the next mandate. So yeah. and and we want them to also to still advocate for for the rights and for women's rights and mm. uh, against harassment and all sorts of discrimination. Um, mm. yeah. So, so I guess this goes at two levels. It's kind of the institution itself in terms of the secretariat and the functionaries there. And it's also the political parties as well. So it's kind of the, the both levels who need to be on board with this and get behind it to be able to ro roll out the sort of the training and the, the general awareness campaigns. Um, indeed. Um, it's it was already approved in July, but to implement it, of course, uh, it takes some time. But so yeah. that's why they chose to have it in the next mandate, and I think that's also logical. Mm. So there will be awareness campaigns. There will be, yeah, the training and and so on. Um, but yeah, it's there was political will this time, and that I'm Great. of course very happy for. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And and just with a sort of uh, turning an eye to the future, Annie, what's the uh, the steps that you'd like to see? What would you like to sort of uh, uh, be maintained um, so that uh, you can build on the good work um, that you've uh, that you've uh, created over the past few years? Well, one thing that we really want to emphasize uh, to continue working on is to collect the data. And that, that's absolutely a priority at the moment. Yeah. We conducted a survey last July. Okay. Um, so, yeah, in, yes, in July, uh, among all EP staff. And, um, and we got over a thousand replies within Excellent. a week. That's a lot. And that is, yeah. that is 10% of all the staff within mm. a week. So, I, and it's, um, still increasing but we made the report of the of the first answers we got and we want to continue to collect data which is high, highly important to mm. support the calls for reform because proper policies are constant open conversation and data based and yeah. we always in the past we received the comments that hey you guys you have no data to back your claims on yeah because yeah. there was never anything collected because mm. there was maybe no will to to collect <laughs> that data Perhaps. so um that's why we did it ourselves yeah Excellent. and i'm very happy we uh, we uh, we will continue to do that because um the numbers were quite telling mm. so um but in any way we want to continue to be a trusted force uh, within the institution and ideally of course, ideally, we would not exist in the future. There would there would be no need for the movement anymore. Yes. But but for <laughs> but for now, I see that we represent the voices of the staff and of the victims. Yes. And of course, we want to continue to work with like minded stakeholders and continue to build our community mm. uh, around the um, uh, around. The issue and of course to advocate for gender equality and because it's very important to remember that one can't take those rights for granted they always have to be safeguarded they have to and i think that's the something very important to remember today i think it is to be able to sort of mm -hmm. keep saying uh keep on the message as well and i think that sort of be uh be on top of that and like like most roles in life the, the ultimate success is to do yourself out of a job so i suppose that that's the same thing that you have there that you're not needed anymore within this particular exactly. role that will be the ultimate success yes that would be the ultimate success <laughs> that we would just um yeah close the blog <laughs> close it well, yeah, we can all go it. home and, and focus on something else but exactly. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, ta it takes time for yeah. this th th this reality to be to be achieved and uh -huh. you know it, it, it's it, it's such an important thing and you know really appreciate your time Annie to to spend some time with us talking about what you're doing but also talking about these issues because we focus a lot on the sort of the future of work and the evolution uh, in terms of digitalization but also mm -hmm. how people interact with each other and i think that these issues are so important within that that whatever we can do is using digitalization for for training or people just to realize how to actually sort of interact with each other with, with each other in an appropriate way is just so important i think it's a key element of the future of work when we go from sort of the old-fashioned uh 
uh, um, kind of mid seventies view of an office with all its prejudice, prejudices and bigotries and all things like that, that we're moving on to something that's a bit more uh, uh, open and accessible for absolutely everyone, you know, and the whole sort of diversity inclusion thing, uh, really bringing at home that we have something that really sort of works for everyone, whether they want to work from home, online, hybrid, or uh, these things that the, it should be accepting and it should be sort of open to all. So, fantastic work that you're doing and i i really hope you come back to update us on the uh developments in the uh, in, in the future on this thank you so much i definitely will uh, I, there's um there will be things for sure and hopefully in the end it will be not there anymore but <laughs> in any case thank you so much glenn this was a pleasure absolute pleasure well thank you very much indeed and we'll speak again soon yes thank you